Good evening and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. As usual, my name is Michael and co-hosting with me today is Phoenix. Today we have two guests. Our first guest is Oscar. Oscar is a member of the Indigenous People of Biafra Movement, that's IPOB. And our second guest is Anthony. Anthony Ahilable, that's his full name, is a member of the People's Democratic Party. Now, we're going to be discussing three topics today. Firstly, we'll discuss the death of the Queen, the Queen who used to be Nigeria's former head of state, I believe, between 1960 and 1963. Secondly, we'll discuss the political dispute within the People's Democratic Party. And finally, we'll discuss Peter Obi, the candidate of the Labour Party, his overseas speaking engagements. So we'll discuss all these three topics. But firstly, to Phoenix. Phoenix, the Queen is dead, and now we now have a new king. I'd actually forgotten. I remember today that she actually used to be our head of state from 1960, I think, to 1963, head of state of Nigeria after post-independence. So what, what was your initial reaction to her death, Phoenix? And do you think it's a positive for Nigeria, a negative for Nigeria, or do you think uh, it has basically no implications for the country? Phoenix. Hi, Michael, and uh, hi, Anthony and Oscar. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, hello, listeners. Um, I, I, I mean, my initial reaction was, uh, um, of course, to offer con my condolences. I mean, may her, may her soul rest in peace. And, uh, I mean, to her family, I mean, to wish them well in their, in their grief. Um, I, I, I think, to, to me, when, when I... Whenever I think about her, I think of her as, I mean, for, for someone who's been queen for as long as I've been alive and watching her, you know, evolve through the role and, and of course, um, watching from afar the dignity and, and discipline she brought to, to being the, the queen and, and, and the evolution in terms of, you know, opening up to, to society and, and being a part of it. But particularly as an as an African uh, and a Nigerian, particularly, um, I, I remember I, I look at it through the lens of the Commonwealth, which she was head of, and I think that's really her legacy. It's it's keeping that that body um, together and and showing her interests through that. In as much as, of course, giving her her role and the way it plays within the. Uh, within the UK governance structure, she couldn't be seen uh, to interfere uh, very much with, with government. And so, I mean, you didn't see as much, uh, at least to the public eye, as much of her, her take on governance and politics. There were a few faux pas that were, that were, that were reported, but largely you saw her, her mindset and, and what she was about through the Commonwealth. And I think I mean, there were, there were positives there uh, to look at. And so my, my reaction was one of I mean, looking at someone who lived their life to a rightful age. I mean, had the, the, the grace, the dignity and poise to rule in a way that people can look up to and say, yeah, that's, that, that was proper in many respects. I think to your question about, is it a positive or a negative for Nigeria? 
I I really don't don't see it as a positive or negative. I mean, like I said, I mean the the only place where we had an interaction with her, I'll be I mean since sixty three has been through the Commonwealth. I think she has uh, been a good friend of Nigeria, but really beyond that, there's no there's no impact as far as I as I can tell. Um, I think her passing and the change of guard to uh, Charles um, could be interesting because we, we do know that, I mean, he has visited Nigeria a bit more, has shown interest in, in some of the things that, that we've done. And so maybe we'll see um, some of his leanings towards Africa in general, um, you know, bring about a different way of doing things. But as far as I'm concerned, there's no, I mean, there's no, impact on Nigeria on, on the passing of the queen beyond let's see what what King Charles brings to bear in his own time. Thank you, Phoenix. Let me come to, I just want to ask you a quick follow-up question before I go to Oscar. There was an interesting debate triggered on social media by a university professor going by the name of Uju Anya, where she was basically celebrating the death of the queen and claimed that the, because of the queen's role in the Biafra war, which led to the genocide of a significant number of Igbos, that she was rejoicing. Do you, do you think the queen had some responsibility uh, for the, the sufferings of the Igbos during the genocide, Phoenix? It's a difficult one because, I, I mean... I don't. I don't think she has had a role, um, and I struggle to see how. I mean, I knowing knowing what how how things work within the British government and things like that. I don't know how much of it she would have known. Probably more than they are letting on, but there is a clear um, culpability on the part of the British government in terms of what happened in Biafra. Now she being the head of state, not necessarily not the head of government, because that was Harold Wilson, would have been briefed. I don't know to what degree. I don't know if she expressed um, um, disagreement. Um, and so I, I I find it hard to pinpoint what her role was beyond she was Queen of England and England was supporting uh, what was clearly a genocide in, in Nigeria at the time. But then when I look at other things that she's done, um, in, 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 for instance, I mean, the, the, the support to uh, Nkrumah when he was at odds with the, with the British government, um, and she, 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 she decided to come and show that support by visiting him and, and all of that. The support to, to Mandela, where she was clearly at odds with Tatcha, even for, for, for the first time, people saw clearly that the crown was at odds with, with the government. Um, so I, I'm, I'm like, that's, what, that's why I can't tell because we never heard anything uh, around this. And so I can't tell exactly how, what was her role because those other incidents, you know, come at, at odds with somebody who would have been um, supportive or a, playing a major role in this, in this incident. I also remember that she also visited Nigeria twice. She, she, in those, if you look at the timeline between the first time and the second time, 
you realize that she, I mean, despite being one of the largest countries in the Commonwealth, she never visited Nigeria under military rule. So, I mean, it, 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 but, you, but she was clearly coming to Africa. She was in Kenya, she was in Ghana, she was, she was there, were, there were other places that she was going to, but she avoided Nigeria for a period of almost 50 years. So it also sends a message as to how, what she thought of Nigeria at that point in time. And, 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 I, and I read some meanings into that. So I can't absolve her because I don't know enough not to. And, and she was the queen of England and, and I, I hold Britain equally responsible, even though I hold the Nigerian leaders at that time more responsible because it was Nigerians. It was Yakubu, Gowon, egged on by the likes of Muritala and all those guys that decided not to follow the Abuja Accord. They were the ones that declared war on, on Biafra rather than try to find a way to resolve the issue. So I hold those guys more responsible. I hold the British government uh, responsible and culpable for enabling them and providing the arms and continue to support them. The Queen is in there somewhere. I don't have enough information to either absolve her or not because of her role and because of some other things that I've seen. So it's a bit um, difficult for me to pinpoint that, I mean, she was, she was culpable. But I, anyone who is expressing misgivings about her, I would not, I mean, I, I, I can't say don't do so. People are, on, uh, are allowed to express their grievance the way they, they deem it and let the cards fall where they may. I mean, we would never, I would never accept a, a, a mistelling or a sweeping under the carpet of what happened between 1967 and 1970. It was a genocide, and it is a blot on the, on the Nigerian state that it happened. And so if people are still upset, as I am, even though I'm not of that, of, of, of Igbo origin, uh, and so I expect people who are of Igbo origin to be even more upset, um, yes, they are within their rights to express their misgivings as, as they want to, but I, I just don't have enough to say that the Queen was responsible or should be held uh, in that contempt. Thank you, Phoenix. Oscar, how did you feel when the Queen died? Were you mourning or were you angry with her or did you just have no opinion on the issue? Oscar. First of all, there's no way I'm going to mourn people who supervise the killing of our own brothers and sisters. And Phoenix is talking as if you don't know Nigeria history. When Abuja Accord happened, that negotiation happened, and uh, Ujuku and Kowan uh, boarded the same flight and had a handshake and came back to Nigeria. We know the people that are behind not implementing that particular accord. It was Britain. Even Ojuku doesn't even know that some of the people around him, there are some people who are translating what he was discussing to the BBC in London. And how should I mourn somebody who, and you can, you know, when our sister Juanya made his tweet, and people are like coming after her. I was like, these people are crazy. I have always said it, that Nigerians don't know their problem. Because if you know your problem, you want Nigeria to end the next minute. It is in that monarch that our problem started. 
that I'm fighting with Anthony today, fighting with any person today in Nigeria, is because Britain formed Nigeria, not on a natural line, but on a fake border that they have to palm everybody from left, right, and center to be together in a nation you have no mouth how you were formed. So why should I mourn somebody who did that to my people, try to extinct their identity? Because forming Nigeria is to telling other people that make up this contraption that you have to forfeit your identity and took Nigeria identity. And this Nigeria identity they want us to take, is not even a good fit. It was just for them to finance and pay their tax, to, to, to fund their own people so that we keep fighting and fighting while they get our resources for free. Because I don't see the reason why I should be having an argument with somebody like Erfai, who is in the Kaduna, who are not supposed to have any product to do it. Today, me and him are sharing one country and we are fighting for oil that is in South South. We, we are not supposed to go there and say whatever they want to do with their life. But it was done by this Britain. And it, this woman came and rolled on this glory of his fathers and great-grandfathers and still was reading us and calling us Commonwealth. Yeah, like you can acknowledge, he was our head of state from 1960 to 1963. What does that tell you? That the problem we are going through today is caused by this particular set of people. So when we are, when I see some people try to mourn somebody who's perverted, and when you talk about genocide, it was not even in 1960 they start killing Igbos. In 1945, we are murdered. In 1950-something, we are murdered. In 1967, we are murdered. Even before 1967, these people were the ones supervising Nigeria at that time, when there was a program in the north. Who are the people that we are killing? That was Igbos. Did this woman apologize? The answer is no. People are still looking for their brothers, hoping that one day they will come back. Do you know that there are some people that you have in your mind that they, one day they will come back, but they have died somewhere, or maybe they run and they cannot locate how to connect with their family anymore because of this British, British uh, um, empire, the build called Nigeria. So when people try to mourn this kind of thing, and that is why when these white folks look at us, they, they, they don't know what to call us because you can't tell you are a human and somebody come all the way from Scotland to tell you you're a Nigerian. Imagine me going to Liverpool or just landing in Heathrow Airport and say, the city Heathrow Airport, I'm going to name it Biafra Airport. And we're going to come, and we're going to start taking revenue that comes from that Heathrow Airport. <laughs> No, the police there would look at me like a mad dog or a mad stupid man as opposed to go to psychiatric. So these are the things we should start beginning to discuss. How do we get here today that Nigeria can never ever have peace because of this, this particular people? So I, I can tell you, the answer to your question is simple. How can I mourn somebody who was part of the people that killed my people? That would be stupid of me to do that. I'm not, I, I, I love what my, our sister, maybe if I was the one that did the tweet, it will not get the attention that it gets, but thank God it's coming. And this is why Britain had Biafras. They know what they did to us and they know they, what we can do. Even they know that some of our leaders, some of our great people, they are so afraid because if they don't have anything 
against you. They cannot allow you to get close to power because they know any woman pretending to be friend of them, any day he rose to power can come for revenge. So I want you to get that fact. That is why they always try to get the person, they know that if you make that move of coming for revenge, they put you in jail. That is why I'm so skeptical about P2B candidates. Because if P2B have, when he was in PDP, if P2B have wake up one morning, on Sunday morning, and sign his resignation letter from PDP, I may be considering supporting him, but for the fact that P2B didn't do that, he flowed on Monday morning straight to town, turned down the streets to seek their concert before coming back to Nigeria to say I'm not part of PDP again. That gave me a, that gave me a sign of concern. What kind of president is going to be and how he's going to favor my people. So I cannot mourn somebody who came my people. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. You've uh, made a number of allegations that maybe I'd like Anthony to respond to. Anthony, you've heard what Oscar said. He, in particular, blames the Queen for the uh, Biafra war and the genocide against the Igbos. From your perspective, is Oscar right? And what were your thoughts when the Queen died? Do you think she was a positive force for the world, for good? Or do you think uh, she was a negative force for good? Or perhaps the alternative, you don't have an opinion either way, Anthony? Well, I, I think I'd, I'd rather stay on the path of not having an opinion. Um, However, I do agree that um, particularly the Igbo race, the Southeast, as they are now called, have been uh, dehumanized. They've suffered greatly in this union. That is something we cannot, and, and for Oscar's information, it didn't start in, in uh, 1945. In 1928, we had the Aba Women's Riot, uh, which was quite significant. Uh, of, uh, women um, resisting uh, false tax on them by the then uh, British uh, indirect rule that they had uh, used to govern our people, uh, a bit mostly in the south, in the north, but in, uh, still almost the same similar operations uh, southwards. Um, be that as it may, um, that was a long time ago. Um, yes, um, the West has this habit of making reparations, maybe apologizing at some point. That will come, may come at some point. Uh, and that's that for that. Uh, as per what Joya said, um, I, think, I think that um, that statement should have been more measured. Um, like we all say, civility does not permit us to wish ill upon the dying or the dead. Uh, if not, we become worse than the people who tend to criticize or are wishing to admonish. Uh, but be that as it may, it's quite tragic. Um, but I, I also hold the opinion that a lot more introspection, um, while we try and say these people are responsible, we also have to look at what led us here or what got us to that point. The actions or inordinate actions of some people uh, within a particular context. Don't forget that these stories and this history, uh, we do not have a comprehensive enough uh, background, except for even what 
people like Fred Forsyth and co have written, not necessarily Nigerians. I know there are a few Nigerians that attempted to uh, put down this little bit of history in some books. But then again, we need to go back and really have a more concise and accurate um, telling of these stories. Um, but um, on a general note, United Kingdom mourned and now has a new king. Uh, we will hope to see um, a better engagement of society by the monarchy. However, I know that a lot of people have their reservations against the monarchy, but that's, that's uh, issues that are far and beyond just the Nigerian context. There's the African context as a subjugated uh, continent. But that, that, that is uh, left for historians and those who do international diplomacy to resolve. I, I think I'll just have to rest on this particular issue. Gege. I yield the mic. Thank you, Anthony, for your perspective. Uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, what the historians eventually find. Maybe in 100 years' time, when papers are declassified, we'll know the extent of the Queen or Britain's involvement in the, civil, the events of the Civil War. But on to our next topic, which is the political dispute within the People's De Democratic Party. Phoenix, Shay McIndae, the governor of Oyo State, seems to have joined the fray. He's claimed that he's fighting for the restructuring of the party, and if the party cannot be restructured, how then can the country be restructured? The party has changed the chairman of its board of trustees. It used to be a Senator Walid Jibrin, I believe, and it's now Senator Adolphus Wabara, the former Senate president, who is now the board of trustees chairman. But the other wing of the party has responded and said, that's not who we asked you to replace. We asked you to replace Iyocha Ayu, but you haven't done that. So in your view, Felix, from your perspective, what, what, what exactly is going on? Uh, campaigns are supposed to be starting, and there's still this serious back and forth going on within the party. So from your perspective, Felix, can you talk us through this drama? Well, I think I think the, the I think the points you raise speak for themselves, right? I mean, this this all started with um, um, post the primaries with with Wiki, obviously. I I mean, acting the the part of the sole loser, um, albeit claiming that look, there were there were there were assurances made to to him and. And those assurances haven't been met. One, uh, a key one being, I mean, the the change of the of the chairman of the party, which is in line with what they normally do. I mean, if if you have the candidate coming from the south, typically you have the chairman being from the north, and and vice versa. So it was expected that once. Uh, uh, to emerge the the candidate that um, uh, IU will step down so that somebody from the south will take over the chairmanship of the party and then of course there was also the issue of how Atiku selected his running mate I believe he, he chose he set up a committee to to do so and they gave him a nomination and he chose to go with not who the according to the story not who the committee had recommended highly. I mean, he, they scored, 
and but he didn't choose the the highest scoring person. So I think a lot of things have been brewing. Now Wike has his own, obviously his own bodies within the camp of which Makinde is is a key one. And so they've they've saw like have a group that have been pushing this angle around. Uh, you know there needs to be these changes made, and they have some things that need to be accommodated. Blah blah blah. But I think he also he also took it f- further by beginning to have dalliances with opposing party. Uh, he was meeting with uh, APC and, and the Tinubu crew. He was seen to be meeting with Peter Obi in London and all those kind of things. So I think, of course, I mean, those in PDP, are, I mean, on the Atiku side are well, 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 I mean, are, well within their rights to be aggrieved. But I think it's just... For me, the original sin is the fact that the party did not follow its own ethos, and that's what's leading to this. You can't have, you can't have um, injustice. I don't want to call it injustice because it seems like it's. I, I wanted to call it. You can't have. You can't. You can't have. You can't lack equity and fairness, and then expect that something positive will come out of it. In twenty nineteen. Despite the role that Atiku played in 2014, you know, leaving the party, going to uh, APC, you know, helping Buhari to power, he came back to the PDP in 2018 and he got the ticket in, to run in 2019. They lost. But when he got the ticket, we didn't have this rancor. Because people understood that, yes, the last time that PDP fielded a president, and lost was someone from the South. And so let's go North to also counter Buhari who was running for his second term. Now, the expectation is, yes, the North have had their chance and they lost. You should go to the South and particularly to the Southeast that has never had an opportunity. Despite being a um, a core backbone of the PDP, they've never had an opportunity to run for the, the presidency. So the expectation, at least from those of us looking from the outside was that it would be the turn of the Southeast to run. Or at worst, you make it a Southern affair, but they decided not to zone. They decided to throw it open. And and that's what's created all of this drama. Because if you had, if you had, you know, stuck with your principles, followed what should have been, what should have been done, this this will have, I mean, the primaries will have happened. People will have come out of it. And like 2019, there will be no rancor. So you cannot have that issue and then think that people will walk away and not, you know, pre, I mean, and not have issues with it. You have a Mackinde who is saying restructure the party, who is saying, um, you know, things need to be done in a, in a certain way, who is, who is coming out publicly to say, I, even if they offered me the chairmanship of the uh, of the uh, governor's forum of the PDP, I will reject it. That those are very strong terms. That's one of your leading governors. I mean, he, out of the, the many, I suspect that he's he's. I can't remember now, but I think he's one of the main ones that will be running for a second term of office. So he's one of your leading governors going into the next dispensation. You can't afford to alienate him. Uh, of course, you can say we can really. How much leverage does he have? In less than a year, he'll be out of office. I don't think he's running for Senate. So really, there may be some games being played in that regard. 
But I think this just comes from the fact that that inability to follow their own principles and to allow equity and to allow the right order of things is what has now created deep fact, uh, uh, created tensions within the party, and it doesn't bode well for the for the campaign season. You 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 now have your because most of the people that they have issues with are from the south, and that's where PDP was. I mean, largely, I mean, have always gotten majority of their votes from. Apart from the from the fact that there's the emergence of OB that is obviously going to cannibalize a lot of that. You, you you still hope that at least your leaders in the south will be on board and help you know push as much as possible to get their people to to come on site but with the likes of wiki and river states and we know the impact of wiki not fully being on board what it what it meant last day, last time just go and look at the election results in 2019 and see how river state lost a million votes between between 2015 and 2019 imagine how much worse is going to be now um, I mean, your state, again, is another big, uh, uh, you know, area that could, could also uh, come back to bite them, not to talk about some of the other areas. So I think for me, I mean, there are clear issues. If I was advising um, Atiku and asking him to live up to this unifier billing that, I, I, that, uh, that he is being given, the real idea would be to ask are you to step down for the good of the party. Yes, you may want to prove that, yes, I mean, we can't be held hostage to some people. Yes, he has been cavorting with some people, but you want to pacify someone like Mark India, and I don't think he's an unreasonable person. So at least look, look for those who are, who are reasonable and try to you know, understand where they're coming from, and they have a fair grievance. You cannot have, in line with practice and what you've done, you've already gone against one fundamental practice that you have, i.e. we rotate. Now you are going against another one, i.e. we don't have um, president and chairman coming from the same, uh, from, from the same side of, the, I mean, I'm talking north-south now. I mean, of course we know that IU is not central, but coming from uh, the, same, the same part of the country. And so, so there are two things that you're already battling with. So fix one that you can fix, because obviously you're not going to ask Atiku to step down. Fix, fix the chairmanship one and, and at least bring people back together and try to resolve this issue so you can go forward into your campaigns, um, hopeful of, uh, of success. But I think, the, I think the bigger issue for them is, um, the, I, I suspect that the article camp is leaning very heavily towards, look, we need, we need the North. And so that's why they're, being, they're digging in their heels on this, but it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for, for the party in my view. Thank you, Phoenix. Let me ask Anthony, because Anthony, you're a member of the People's Democratic Party. Anthony, a number of allegations have been made. First of all, Wike, in his uh, sort of uh, musical press, press conference, uh, in between the band singing and the various songs that were being uh, played, he made reference to the fact that Atiku himself said that when he won, uh, Iyocha Ayu should resign as the PDP's chairman so that a southerner takes over. Secondly, Governor Makinde has said that a party that cannot restructure itself is incapable of restructuring Nigeria. Um, 
what is your response to these issues? Firstly, is Wike telling the truth? Did Atiku really commit to the removal of uh, Ayu? So why has that not been done? And secondly, uh, is there any merit to what Governor Makinde of Oyo is saying? Anthony? Well, um, ideally, um, we had an agreement to seize uh, and desist from making public comments on this issue. But I, I will respond mainly to um, Phoenix. I'm a party member and an insider, like, like you said, there's an inside view to all of this. One, uh, Wiki several times has been given his due in the party. He has been allowed to make uh, choices for the party. Wiki, single-handedly, if you let me put it that way, has been able to come up with like three or four chairmen for the PDP. We disagreed with him on some of these choices and we ended up being right. For instance, um, there's a political show called Focus Nigeria that AIT has by 10 o'clock every morning, weekday. It has never happened before. The first ever um, Focus Nigeria that I held from 11 o'clock, which is out the time of Focus Nigeria. I myself, DG, I didn't know when he was in PDP, and Obianuju Goko um, spoke um, very seriously against a few things that Mike and then Fayoshi were doing. Um, this was in 2017 early 2017. And then we went on to the convention and Wike suddenly discovered that what we had been trying to tell him about Sharif was true and that he was a mole planted by the APC to cause problems. But he and Fayoshi single-handedly brought this man. And um, when the Botch convention happened, Wike too uh, insisted that McCarthy should be the acting chairman. And that's how McAfee became acting chairman until Wiki decided against the role of play. We had decided by our zoning that the chairmanship should go to the Southwest. Wiki, in collusion with Fayoshi, gave it to the South-South, which had just produced president, not more than two years before then. But of course, the players in the PDP had long-term plans. So they allowed Wike have his way. Not that they could not have stopped him. They allowed him have his way with secondos. But guess what? This is the same man that started the hue and cry about removing the same secondos he brought. So if we are talking about people who have made comments, at least the comment he said was between himself and Article, and I wonder why I would have a private conversation with someone. And I'll just to prove a point, say it in public. Whereas I forget that I'm making several contradictory statements that are in the public space. Here we are. This same man made a statement that he will never take the position. He, he said to Atiku that he would not contest. And he said in several places that if I want to contest for presidency, I will let everybody know. He then went on to contest for the presidential ticket. While he was contesting for the presidency, he would be asked, will you take the position? He said he will never take the position of vice president. And just one last thing he said on the convention ground, which we all have that video, 
that I will work for whoever emerges as the candidate of this convention, this primaries. It turns out that after the primaries and he lost, he started looking for the position of the vice president that he said he would not take. Forget what you hear. We know the efforts we can made to become vice president. And I know the reason behind the decision and it's very clear to everybody now that it would have been a very wrong choice. Let us talk about equity. For instance, in River State, has we given anybody equity in River State? The man, did they, were they able to buy forms to contest? If you went to, I, I bought forms for, to contest this last election. Nobody from River State was able to procure a form because Mike had purchased all the forms meant for River State and was dispensing them like a local dispensary. Um, so, sorry to interrupt you, Anthony, because I'm trying to bottom out a point. I see what you're saying that the point you're making is that Wike is a hypocrite. But the, no, the question I'm, I'm going to get to I'm going to get to the issue of the chairmanship. Okay. Now they have made several allusions that the chairman said he will step down once, and the video is out there. The chairman said, if the party asks me, I'm such a democratic person that if the party asks me to step down, I'll have no choice but to step down. Who is the party? The party is not Wiki. The highest decision-making body, other than the convention, which has only one extra special power, which is the only power, the only thing it can do outside that the neck cannot do is to alter the constitution of the party. You need a convention to do that. That's the only thing the neck cannot do. The neck can change the name of the party if it is not a constitutional issue. And the neck passed the vote of a public, it has never been done. In fact, I was at the neck. I was surprised that they left us in there without excusing us to have a closed session. And they moved that motion. In fact, when he went back to Mubarak, Mubarak said, no, is anybody in disagreement? Raise your, nobody raised their hands. It doesn't have that gravitas within it. That's why we say PDP doesn't belong to one person. It's a collective decision. And I don't see how the party will change its chairman two weeks to the beginning of an election season or campaigns. It will not happen. I will not even support it as a party member. Yes, I agree. There must be a fair balance between South and North. But let us even look at the context of the PDP. In the 16 years PDP has been in power, 14 out of that 16 years, Olusegu Aremu Obasanjo, a Southern Christian Northerner, a Southern Christian uh, man, was president for eight years. The other took over for, after two, two years and some months, he fell ill and died. Jonathan completed two, two, two years of his tenure and went on to do four years. Six plus eight is 14. Out of the 16 years of democracy, let's say PDP as a context has members, both in the South and in the North. Have we been fair to our Northern members? If out of 16 years, we have taken 14, let's exclude the PDP, APC arrangement because that's their own arrangement. That's for their, at least power rotation or whatever, the presidency, they, they say it, it belongs to them. For we as a party, we have not been fair to our Northern brothers. Sorry, Anthony, because, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you because uh, I just want to pin down this point. So first of all, you're saying there's nothing wrong and it, 
with the presidential candidate being from the north as well as the chairman of the party being from the north? Is that what you're saying? There's n- it's, it's not a problem? Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is this, and you have to understand the reason for this sudden cry for the chairmanship position. It's all about controlling the party structure. Should Atiku Abubakar lose the election, the chairmanship will remain in the South. Don't forget, Secondus just finished chairmanship. Don't you think that will bring an imbalance to the party? The ideal thing to do is if, and the minute Atiku becomes president-elect, Yotayu will have to step down. Because the president, even the president in waiting, cannot come from the north and the chairman from the north. Don't forget that this chairmanship being in the north, who was the main instigator to push the chairmanship to the north? Same wiki. Same person. So when people make this argument, we in the party just keep quiet because we know the true story. We know what is going on. Wiki is I in 2023. 2027. And with that, he's struggling for the. I mean, he's so. Is he the only one that contested and lost? Who don't contested and lost? Other people in the PDP contested and lost. Saraki contested and lost. Why is it only him that seems to think that? I mean, the way he talks, I respect him a lot, but. <laughs> Anthony, I, sorry, I mean, I, I need to ask you this question because I, I want to make sure that we address the point that you raised. You said PDP has been unfair to the people in the North. So, and, you're, and, and you say that, that because um, the, the PDP's time as president has largely been held by Southerners. So what you're essentially saying is that um, regardless of the fact that PDP gave his ticket to Umar Yadwa, and unfortunately he died, gave his ticket to Atiku and he lost. PDP has been unfair to Northerners. So until a Northerner wins, so if Atiku loses again, there you will make the same argument in 2027 that PDP has been unfair to the North, right? Okay, so let, let me say this. And for us as a political party, we look at our spread, we look at our commitment of our members, and we could tell where the pendulum was going to swing. The majority of the members from even before Article said, even if Article loses now, we still have to give it to the North to be able to compete with an incumbent uh, in power. When you're out of power, we're not talking about fairness because the government won't be fair to you. They're talking about numbers that can win you an election. The overall objective of the political party is not to settle um, the graphical yeah, imbalance. Yeah, but in all the times that PDP has won elections, have, has most of their votes come from the north or from the south? I'm talking about times that they won the presidency. Where has most, most so, of their votes so come let from? Me, so let me, let, me, let me say this. It depends on where you have power. It depends on power dynamics. The times PDP has won election, we have been in power. The times we want to take power, we have to do what is necessary. We are not a charity organization. We are not the UN. We're not trying to balance anything. We are trying to take power so that we can bring our policies to bear. Okay. And forgive us. 
if forgive us if we are not looking to pander to the whims and caprices of everybody. So, you are pander, so the people who have always supported you and giving you their votes now is about it's, now they are being told that it's pandering to listen to them. No, no, no but you you get this wrong. They, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm listening them, to what you're saying. Most right? of the people in, in these regions you are talking about voted for article, knowing the political dynamics of Nigeria. We can sit down and wish the dynamics was different. But if you are a political player and you want to tell yourself the truth, we told ourselves these things way back in 2019 that the only way to win an election would be to counter and give a northerner and fuse our strength together and win the election. For us, it's about winning first. If you yeah, are doing geographical, wait, yeah, if you are doing you, geographical you, balance and you don't win the election, what was the point of that geographical balance? Hey, but wait, you knew that the APC was going to go south, right? So you cannot why go you... south, you cannot go south with the ruling party if the ruling party is going south. They are the ruling party, they have machinery and structure that you do not have. Access to this structure. Nigeria is not the US, no, no, it's not no, the no, 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 country. But this point you are making is, is rather tenuous because ruling party or no ruling party, you are talking about let, let's not conflate Buhari's popularity and how that carried APC to victory with the fact that Buhari is no longer on the ballot and is going to be somebody different. It's very somebody from the south. So you are even answering you are even answering the question. Mm? I'm not answering. I'm telling you that you this idea that the... oh, we are so scared of the ruling party no, are, because are, they have machinery. Even though you are answering it in abatedly. Anyways, where are Buari's votes going to go? So you are telling me today that Buari's votes are all automatically going to go with Tinubu. You if know that for sure. Yeah, I can tell you, sixty percent of his votes will go to it. I can tell you without fear. Of, you can see it happening. You can see what is happening in Katsina. The state that has the most prominent defections today in Nigeria is Katsina State. That should send a message to you. Okay. No, Anthony, so, sorry to cut you because we need to bring in Oscar. But I think the general summary of what you're saying is the reason why you want the party chairman to remain in the north as well as the presidential candidate is because you think that is the best way to win you the presidency. So you're going for who can what what formation can deliver the numbers for no, the no, PDP? For the chairman, you have to distinguish that conversation. It's a, it's a different conversation. It's about the timing. It's about, it's about I, I'm not even saying the chairman should. If, if there was a way the chairman could go now that would be safe for the party, I would agree to it. But when you look at the balance of the party and the constitutional hindrance is there, there is damage there. You see, PDP has built into its constitution, um, a very tricky part of it. There, is two, there are two deputy national chairmen for the party. There's deputy national chairman one and deputy national chairman two. What this means is that, for instance, if anything should happen to IU today, Damagun, who is deputy chairman number one, must step in. If he resigns, if he leaves, if anything happens to him, by the constitution of PDP, Damagun takes over. So even if he resigns, you will be getting Damagu to resign. And let me say something to you. The elections in Nigeria have always been won by where the North Central swings. In all of these conversations we are having, have we forgotten 
that we are going to be taking the only thing we have in the North Central out of the North Central. Well, which and, is the Anthony, sorry to interrupt you, but yes, so you, you basically answered my question, which is, are you is there because there's a strategy which you believe that will help you win the election, i.e. he's from the North Central, you need the numbers most, there? Most right, most right. Okay. Because if you look at it, if you look at it, right, whether we chose a, a candidate from the South, which would have been wicked if we had zoned it to the South. Of course, Peter wouldn't have won that election because he wasn't really in that race because Pete, uh, Mwike had muscled almost all the states. Now, that wouldn't have satisfied the requirement to how would we have gotten the Northern votes? Well, so no, no, thank you, Anthony. I need to bring in Oscar at this point. Oscar, you've you've listened to the the points Anthony has made. You've listened to the points that Phoenix has made. In your view, Oscar, do you think the sharing of the positions in the PDP, are, are they fair? Do you think it's right that the candidate is from the North and also the chairman of the party is from the North? Do you think there's any merit in Wike and Mackinday's criticisms, Oscar? Thank you, brother. And uh, let me thank Philip for the first time agreeing with me on one point. I would have been so badly treated in Nigeria as a people. But the way I have problem with him is that instead of them to add voices to demand that we get justice, I don't know for some reason, they try to delay the conversation of us getting justice. But thank you for agreeing to what Nigeria has done to us. And as a creation of Britain, we have taken it so hard in this country called Nigeria. Coming to your question again, you know, when I listen to Antonio, and listen to the argument, and I have come to conclusion, this is the point that will make Nigeria not to progress in the next one billion years. Because we're not talking about competent, we're not talking about uh, records, we're not talking about uh, qualifications. We're talking about rich, who, where is the president coming from? Where is the chairman of the party? Because you want to control structure. And that is why we are dying as a people, try to control the structure of Nigeria. Because we want to keep a structure that is so strange to us. Because of it, we fail in everything we're supposed to be number one. You see, a whole political party like PDP, who started this, who was the first president uh, come from to rule Nigeria? And they even predict that they're gonna rule Nigeria for 50 years. At the end of the day, what did they do? They fail at a point. And you look at it, in this their quest of control this and control that, that is it coming from the northerner or the no looking at companies that have bring to us injustice. If you leave me, if I still believe in Nigeria, how can somebody, I thought you will excuse me, Gege will excuse me that I voted Buhari. But Atiku was standing in that podium with Isaraki to bring Buhari to power. Let's be honest to ourselves. If we should make a choice as a PDP, how could those two people be forefront of our fight to regain our power? They could have really get them to, to backseat because they don't know, they don't have what it takes to build a party. 
I might not agree with Mwike because what he's doing to our people. But the truth of the matter is that Mwike stood on this party. I hope you guys are hearing me. Mwike stood on this party all along and fight. Had it been when Atiku and the Saraki, when Atiku and the Saraki left, that Mwike uh, left as well. Everybody left the party. By now, the party is gone. We'll not be talking about PDP. And it's based on that. If we are talking about justice, we could have said, okay, we can suffer for this party. How are we going to compensate him to make sure he's in a good position to support whoever becomes the presidential candidate of this party? But nobody's talking about that. What they are talking about, where is the chairman coming from? The same thing that is translated to Nigeria. And that is why Nigeria will not make progress. So if we are thinking that Nigeria will survive, or Nigeria is going to be like Singapore, or Nigeria is going to be, it's not going to happen. Because I even have listened to Anthony with this kind of argument in one of the spaces. And, you know, and I ask myself, where is the average Nigeria fate in all this thing that is going on? You see that Nigerian, an average Nigeria have nothing to gain at the end of the day, because it's all about power. We can want power. Tony want power. I think one power. I am a Saraki one power. Nobody is discussing that average Nigeria doesn't even have water to drink. Even in the river state that we can come from, that sewage is about to finish everybody there. That the, the water people are shitting in is where they are getting water they are drinking. Nobody is discussing about the welfare of the common man. All they are discussing in this political dispensation is where is the power coming from? Who is controlling the structure of PDP? Who is going to control the structure of Nigeria if we win the election? So who are going to suffer at the end of the day? Is the common people. And this is where I stand. That if we continue like this, Anthony will become the chairman of the PDP tomorrow and still rule for his tenure and go. His village will still be poor people, full of it. Atiku will still be president of Nigeria. Somebody asked him a question, this is Atiku, during 2019. You are the highest employer of labor after the state in Adamawa State. What do you want? You have been contesting for presidency since 1993 during Abiola days. Have you changed Adamawa people to become like, at least be like a city like Hong Kong that is up to 7 million people? It's, they have not done it. This is what we're going to suffer. We die, come over and over again. We still see Nigeria getting worse. You look at Nigeria value since 2013. Dollar has been going from one point to the other, one point to the other, till we get to the 700 we are now. That means Nigeria have not made progress in the past 10 to 15 years. So are we going to continue like this? This is the question I always ask. I know you people say, you voted Buhari because PDP fell for 16 years. I was part of PDP. I asked one of them who contested for governor in Imo State one time, and he blocked me. I said, this person comes from my family lineage. He contested for president, governor of Imo State. Now he's shouting to me, and I, told, I asked him, I can pen for you when you become the Imo State House of Assembly uh, speaker. What did you do at the end of the day? You didn't give water to our village. What do you do? You take your family and relocate to America. 
But now you are shouting at me. And I'm asking you, can you give me account? Because you didn't pay me any money to campaign for you during any ROC days. You become the chairman of maybe Anthony may know the guy I'm talking about. He become the speaker of the State House of Assembly. At the end of the day, after the trunket that democracy, he carried his family with the money he made from the state and he left to America. Now that person will come after how many years? Try to convince me that Peter B is going to do it right. And I asked him, have you account for us? The, the, our life we put online to campaign for you to win Imo State House of Assembly and become the speaker of Imo State of House. You never come back to us again. But now you want me to agree to what you are saying. So we should understand that this Britain we are crying upon, put this chain upon our neck as a nation that we will never ever have a good leadership because they know in the next one million years, all will be fine. Ziki fought with Awolowo. Um, Awolowo fought with uh, Tafawa Blewa. Have those things changed up to today? Nigeria is 60 years old. They have not changed. So Britain knows that this thing will continue as long as Nigeria exists. But I'm asking you guys, if you allow me to go with my Biafra, I will become a kind of uh, a, a, a people of the same culture, the same language. I don't need to ask who is going to be the party, my party chairman. Who's going to be the president? I'm going to go and check the around a background check, a simple background check on somebody who is coming to contest how they do it in America here. Do you know that I just moved from my state, California, back to Vegas, to Nevada State? I know what I have gone through, them running my background check, check changing my driving license, changing my car, this thing, to make sure that I didn't commit any crime in California before I'm coming to Vegas. But in Nigeria, somebody can wake up, answer Johnson in Lagos, and go to Sokoto and answer James. At the end of the day, become the state governor. We have to stop this. And the only way we can do it is to make sure that this thing, Britain opposed on us, that are killing every one of us, should stop. If not, what is going to happen in PDP is going to be a disaster. Thank you. Thank you. Oscar, I think we've we've received we've got various perspectives on the issue, and hopefully the listeners at home will reach their own conclusions. But we must now head to our final topic, which concerns the Labour Party's presidential candidate Peter Obi has been traveling around the mainly Europe and America, uh, selling his ideas and engaging with. Nigerian students and professionals in the diaspora. So firstly to Phoenix. Phoenix, have you been impressed with Peter Obi's performance? I know there was particular criticism of his interview with Adiola Fashion, where it was alleged that he seemed tired and wasn't able to address any of the questions properly. But what has been your overall perspective of his trip, Phoenix? I think there have been more positives than negatives. Of course, I mean, given the amount of travel and speaking engagements that he had in a short space of time, one would expect that there will be moments where uh, his energy will flag. But for the most part, he showed why he is head and shoulders the, the, the best candidate of the lot and why he's, I mean, for any, any reasonable person, I mean, the, the, the stamina, the, 
ability to keep the pace, um, to remain lucid throughout different conversations. Just show that, I mean, if, if you're looking for someone who can, you know, effect the change uh, or the improvements that we're looking for, he, he has... He, he has the intellectual capacity to do it, but also has the physical capacity to do it. And you know, when we look at the at, at the the landscape, I mean, there's there's clearly no conversations there. So for me, of course, there were parts where I mean, um, wasn't as good as it should have been. I'm sure he he will work on those. But for the most part, I mean, he aced his his outings, put himself out there. Um, and and had conversations with with uh, Nigerians in diaspora, answering questions, you know, be, being clear about the the choices he will make and his plans. And I think, I mean, because there's been also a lot of conversations around, oh, he doesn't have a policy document, or what's he going to do, how is he going to do it? And I think he answered a lot of those questions and also put them in writing, made several statements that he can be held to. Um, and, and I mean, you just need to go and peruse his timeline. You can see all taking each area one by one and addressing them as he was doing so in, in the, in the, in his trips, not only in the U S but also in Germany, in Frankfurt, where, where he attended a, a meeting, um, uh, you know, then across the U S you know, where, where he, he visited a number of cities, um, and had conversations there as well. So for me. I mean, it was 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 largely positive. It was good to see him show that side of him, that, that capability that uh, those of us who support him believe that he has, and show that I mean, set the bar for where this campaign needs to be. Now we need to see the others uh, respond and try to keep up with him. But he, he clearly aced it. Thank you, Phoenix. Anthony. I don't know if you've been following, I'm sure you have been following uh, Peter Obi's uh, trip. Uh, what were your thoughts? Do you think he's been an impressive candidate so far? Uh, do you think, I know there was criticism about, uh, there were claims that he was fundraising, which was illegal. Or various lawyers came forward and said, no, there's nothing illegal about uh, people donating money to Peter Obi's campaign. And one of the people in the PDP, I think it was actually Oseaneni, a prominent PDP member who said in some of Obi's interviews, he seemed tired and not really able to answer the questions properly. What is, it? What, what, what is your view, Anthony? Anthony, are you there? You seem to be on okay. mute. Uh, can you hear me now? <clears throat> oh, yes. Yes, I can. Okay, so I, I, I don't want to be critical of Peter. We, I, I mean, I took a position that as someone I supported before when he was a vice presidential candidate, I, I, I would not want to be seen to be too critical of him. But he's a, he's a presidential candidate now, so we must ask the questions. We might, must put them to him. Um, I remember a time when people said uh, Atiku was a way um, speaking to people who he felt could uh, add some value to his campaign, and he said he needed to be at home organizing. Campaign starts in exactly two weeks. Uh, one would expect that most of the work should be done uh, ground level. But here's what I suspect. I think that the whole obedient movement, though potent, 
as it appears, uh, lacks the time uh, required to build true momentum. It doesn't have that time. Um, one would expect that there's a lot of things that are, um, are becoming clearer by the day that for a function of time, they may not be able to achieve. Um, as, as per his speaking uh, engagements, um, I've listened to a couple of them and uh, I really am I'm very interested in seeing some policy document or some policy direction Tito B wants to bring to this whole exercise. Like I said, I'm eager to see it. If I see it, I will appreciate it. But to this point, I'm yet to see it. Uh, if somebody tells me that it will come, I'll be hopeful. But for now, I'm not saying that. Um, I think there should have been a focus of him as a candidate to deliver on some sort of manifesto for his campaign. Uh, I hope he gets around to doing it because the presidential campaign is not off and off. It's about telling people what you want to do for them, what you are capable of doing, what you will do, and how you plan to do it, the how. Save for that, I hope that um, in the end, he has not violated any of the lay down laws for campaigning. But I expect that we'll have a very interesting campaign season. And whatever happens, Nigeria will be better. And just to speak to something that um, Oscar said, even amongst his indigenous people of Biafra, there's always a struggle for leadership. And he will agree that between Simon Ekpa and some other individuals, these issues have come up. So it is everywhere. Even when and if he's granted the country of Biafra, there will be issues. Certainly the people of Obibo and River State do not believe that. They are Igbos. Until Tokowa was made vice presidential candidate, there was a struggle to claim the people of Igbo speaking people of Delta states as Igbos. So for us in Nigeria, we pick and choose when it suits us. The narrative that we want to put out, the narrative that we want people to believe. But I think it's important to bear in mind that there will become a true test of these things. And when it comes, we should be able to answer for them. Just to recap my issue with uh, the IU sentiments, I have not said anywhere that the balance will not return. But for us, we are going into an election. This is not the time to play uh, Harry Carey. It's not the time to struggle for relevance. When we know what we need to do to win. And if we win, it's about bringing good governance. You see, first of all, before good governance is the competition. And if you're a politician, you realize that unless you have that power, there's not much change that you can bring to your people. There's not much policy that you can do. 
the greatest years of Nigeria's GDP growth, the economy was chaired by Alaja to Kwambaka. We must give it to him. There are, there are, there's enough data to buttress this point that the greatest growth Nigeria saw was between 2003 and 2007 and the early years of Yadwa. So I say, and it's important to remember these things. It's important to remember that Nigeria is at the same point she was in 1999 when these interventions became necessary. We must remember who the person that did it was. And that is what we are counting on as we move into 2023. That this work that Atiku Abaka did between 1999 and 2003, he can graciously repeat it in the interest of Nigeria and Nigerians so that we can have a better country. If anybody thinks otherwise, let him point me to anybody who has done better as either a president or vice president in the history of Nigeria. Why is it that we cannot say Osibanjo drove the economy of Nigeria? Why is it that we cannot say that any other vice president did the same thing? This guy is a phenomenal guy. We not only chose wisely, we chose politically as well. And okay. in this game that we are in, you are allowed to make choices that you can defend after you win. Okay. That's what no. it is. No, sorry to cut you short, Anthony, because of time, because I need to bring in Oscar. Um, Oscar, I know, I know Phoenix will probably wants to. <laughs> Michael, please, before, before okay. you go to Oscar. Okay, I, I'll give you two minutes, two minutes. This is our podcast now. So when, when uh, Anthony tells us that uh, Atiku Abubakar oversaw the, the greatest growth in GDP, that's not true, number one, because... The 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 average growth around that time was was between five to ten percent. Juxtapose that with the the average growth between twenty eleven and twenty fifteen under Jonathan that was averaging about seven percent on a higher base. Because let's not forget, our our GDP was rebased in twenty ten. That's when we started talking about five hundred billion dollars GDP. On a higher base, we were doing 7%. So please, let's correct that very, very quickly. Number two, the, the key transformational economic achievements during the time of um, Obasanjo were driven by Obasanjo himself and the people that he appointed, two critical people. Uh, and I may even add Aganga as well, but Soludo, who did the banking reforms, and NOI, Ngozi uh, Okonjo Iweala, who, who uh, led the act, the execution of the debt repayment. There's nothing there that shows Atiku's hand. So, as much as you want to sell your guy, let's be factual. All of us here are old enough to have been around at that time and understand what was happening. That's but, really so interesting. I wanted to, to set, to set that, That's to, really to, interesting. Let's not play in a space say... that we can address that we can address clear issues. 
No, no. I, I think I need to rebut you very quickly. Please carry on. I, I want to see you. The, the, the chairman of the economic team, the person who chaired the economic team, and in fact, this is an argument that even very recently uh, we had uh, Shetima trying to reverse this role. So it's a known role, and this is why we've held Professor Sibanjo to account. That you were the chairman of the economic team, you held that position which meant you were in charge of the economy. Everybody in Nigeria knows that the vice president is usually in charge of the economy. Most decisions that, I don't know how well, if Sambo, because I even remember that when uh, we were close to government at the time, decisions around the power sector were driven by Sambo. The removal of Batnaji was laid at the doorstep of Sambo. And then Jonathan refused to intervene and said, no, this is Sambo's forte. Let him deal with it. Nobody's arguing with that because it was the same role that, that Jonathan had under When you said that the footprints of, of Atiku Abaka were not felt in that, in that government, I wonder, I mean, we may no, have no, activities against the man. You are misquoting what I said. What I said was that the two key transformational economic things that happened in that era Atiku led the privatization. You never hear me saying that he, was, he did not have a hand in, in privatization. I mentioned two key things that turned no, around. No, even the privatization you are Nigeria. talking about. I, I, I mentioned two on a key video things. Today, even the transfer, even the, even the, even the, and that's, that's even the more interesting thing is that the thing you are ascribing to him, he literally even devolved himself from that. Oh, he, he did. He was more focused also, on the now, policy. Now you guys are trying to... <laughs> No, no, I, I, think, I think you need to, I think we need to be very clear because there's a video, it's on my timeline. I think I liked the, the, the start of that thread. Somebody put up a thread showing Carl's words and then for the first time, I actually even saw the, because I've read it before. I saw the video of Aero 5, who was chairman of Bureau of Public Enterprise, which oversaw the privatization of Nigeria. And he said that Atiku only once said to him that, oh, this person, he told Atiku the person should bid higher. And Atiku told him that I just mentioned it to you so that I'll clear my conscience that I've said because I told him I'll speak to you. And that's what he said during no, but I'm not. But I'm not, no, but I'm not sorry, sorry, guys. No, no sorry. I know why I'm emphasizing so, so, that. Because, so, so, sorry because, to interrupt because you guys. This privatization, we need to no. be very specific no. about... Ge ge gentlemen, sorry to yes. interrupt you. Atiku because I need, I need to... The National Council on Privatization. Yes. That's so, sorry, Sorry, let me, let's, let's move on. <laughs> sorry, as, as the chair, before I go to Oscar, I just want to clarify some facts because there's, there's two different separate teams that we're talking about. The president's economic team was led by Ungozi Okonji Oweala, and that was the team responsible for the economic and social reform agenda of the government. The, the team or the, the group Atiku was head of was the National Economic Council. The National Economic Council is responsible for advising the president about the economic affairs of the country. It's made up of the vice president as well as the 36 states governors. So those are two separate groups. And under the constitution, the Economic Council's job is to advise the president for the, the economic team of the president led by Okonjo Weala was made up of herself. No, Okonjo Weala answered to Atiku Abubakar. No, no, that, that's not correct. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not true. That is so I, I, incorrect. I, I, it's, it's, 
No, it's no, hold on. Let, but, but, let but, me tell you when Okonja Iwala was given powers. And I, I remember this whole play because I was close to the villa. I was very close to Steve Science. So anything policy, I can tell you the whole thinking of government. It was when Jonathan became president. Because of her experience and what she needed to do in Jonathan's government, she refused to take that position until he gave her that role of coordinating minister of the economy. And that was when Jonathan took the privatization of, of power and everything concerning power and said uh, uh, Sambo Henry. Sambo was the only vice president that didn't handle the economy. Anything related to the economy, anything that has answered economy was strictly under article. No, that, that, Andrea, I don't want to double into a debate because my job is, is to chair. I'm just clarifying the facts. No, no, but I, I'm, I'm being clear because I understood I was, yes. I, I was young then, but I was, I but, knew the mechanics of the government. But the, but the public information. That, you, you misunderstood, you misunderstood what you probably were told. Article had no, no import on the core work that Okonjo Wella was doing, which was, in that in that 2003 to 2006 phase, it was about executing Obasanjo's direct mandate on debt repayment. There was no article fin fingerprints there. You can you can go and dig up and come and share with us, and and I will recant if that, if you can prove anything that article had to do with that particular agenda. His name has never come up in any relation to that exercise. So for you to say today that Okonjo Eliala was answering to him, that's a, that's a fallacy. So maybe you can help us find something that you can use but, to dispute that. But yes, that is anyway, fact. So, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt you both, but I need to bring in Oscar. Oscar, you have the final word. So Oscar, you heard, you've heard Peter Obi's uh, statements. You've, you've seen his interviews. He's been traveling around, been to America, been to Europe. I don't know if you went to see him because you're in America. So did, did you see Peter Obi? But overall, Oscar, what was your perspective or what's your view on his trip, were you impressed with the way he was answering questions? Do you think he's inspired a new generation of Nigerians? And do you think you'd be voting for him, Oscar? Oscar, are you still with us? Your okay, I'm with you. Sorry, uh, you know this technology sometimes can. Do. Anyway, um, I, I laugh because. I don't know that I'm attending my brother listening to things going on in Biafra struggle. That means you are in the spirit. And uh, coming to a big engagement, uh, uh, he was in California, just behind my backyard. I didn't go because it's a waste of time and energy. They say I should pay $250 for me to, to be able to be admitted in the heating hotel. I said, for what? And um, his engagement, I want to correct one thing. When people said uh, 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 P2B is engaging with Nigerians in diaspora, that is not true. P2B is just talking to Igbos in diaspora. Few Westerners, like few Yorubas. I can say he's engaging with some Southerners because there's some few Yorubas that are involved in this whole drama of P2B. But the truth of the matter, he was not engaging into Nigeria because if you go and check, check some of his meetings, how many Northerners are part of those meetings? Because if you want to believe in one Nigeria, everybody must be there. 
You have to have the northerners, you have to have the, the southerners, you have to have the Wait, easterners. Did he, did he put up a signboard that said northerners not allowed? No, 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 no. But what I'm did telling you, the northerners. What you're saying, I, I don't what understand the point you, you're making. Phoenix, uh, please allow. The point I want to make is that there's no engagement with Nigerians. There's engagement with the Southerners. And because I call, why I call Southerners? Because there's few Yorubas that are, that are in these meetings anyway. Peter B, in his interview with Adios, never answered any question. They might attribute it that he's tired because he has no answer. I can tell you for the fact. I remember one of his interviews last year. He said in that interview, when people are asking him, I think it was kind of, uh, people tried to know if he want to contest as a president. And he told them that Nigeria engine is a car, like a car with a knock engine. There's no kind of driver you put there that can make that engine to work. Now, I think Adiola rephrased that kind of question. And he said, now he changed. This is where I have problem with Nigerian politicians. And that is why Nigeria cannot work because everything about Nigeria is lies. You can't do anything or survive or become anything in Nigeria if you are not ready to lie. He said, now, you know what? When a car engine is knock on the road, you can get a driver inside for them to tow it to the, to the, to the mechanic garage for them to fix it. What is Peter be telling you? He's telling you that he's not going to fix Nigeria. He only wants to take Nigeria to a mechanic shop where they're going to fix it. Forgetting that even if a car is knocked, you can call a tow truck that can tow it completely and put it on top of, on top of the tow truck and take it without nobody being inside the car. As if he's talking to people who doesn't have sense. These are the things that when I look at it, I begin to ask, do we have educated people in Nigeria in the first place? Because if you, I don't know where P2B is gonna to start to fix Nigeria as a person. And I uh, hear Anthony and Phoenix try to, to, to argue about economic and the uh, policy of P2B, of Atiku, and uh, the one that is going to happen in the future. One, Anthony, if you are an employer of a level, your supervisor or your boss in the office is the one to have the power to, to appraise you. If you are a working organization, is your boss that will appraise you. From the appraisal of uh, Bassanjo, who is the boss to Atiku, he called Atiku a thief. And he said, Atiku, if he have handed power to Atiku, God will never forgive you. But because Nigeria was a country built upon lies, today, he, in 2019, he tried to endorse the same person. He said, God will never forgive you for handing power to him. That is how to tell you Nigeria will never work. And when you said economic Nigeria grew, Phoenix tried to defend when our GDP was readjusted. I was just laughing. Because go and check, how do you know that the economy is doing well? I live in Hong Kong for two years. From where I work to where I live has been five Hong Kong dollars to transport myself. I left Hong Kong, I lived there 2007 to 2009. I went back to Hong Kong in 2013. The price of that transportation have not changed. But in Nigeria, tell me what was low. And when Basanjo or Jonathan came in and he went more lower, instead of going from dollar to transportation to fuel, everything keep going up. And somebody is telling me Nigeria was making GDP this and that while the poor masses are suffering. This is the fact. We, we are just 
grumbling and making all this mistake and thinking Nigeria will work. Now, Peter B, I want to tell you guys something. And it may be sound a conspiracy theory. Peter B is not here to fix Nigeria. He's not here to make Nigeria great because he himself acknowledged that he cannot even fix Nigeria. How can you tell me you want to be president for four years? Now you are campaigning that in five years, you're going to give us electricity. Does it make sense? Because everything you are doing, you should project four years. Now you are projecting for, the, for you to increase the capacity of our electricity by five years. Where are you going to do that? After you have left office, if you are not reelected, what are you going to do? So if you are honest to yourself, you project yourself within four years, the results you want to see within four years. Now you have already campaigned for your second tenure without even winning the election. Telling somebody that you're going to increase the generation of power in five years, while your tenure is supposed to be four years if you win this election. That's why Nigeria is a lie. Secondly, P2B have not even proved how he's going to fix the insecurity. When you ask him about insecurity, he tell you by economy, economy, economy. How are you going to use the economy to stop insecurity? That people are collecting $100 million as a kidnap ransom. They have money in the archive to, to buy any weapon, to confront any people. You have not said it. You are telling me in, in, when you fix the economy. Who tell you that it was the economy that is causing people to go to, into crime? We have to be fat. We have to be honest to ourselves for the first time. P2B is a stooge of Britain. Because Britain have ruined the they have read the temperature of Nigeria and know very, very well that if there's no Igbo man on this ballot paper, and I know Peter, I know Anthony will be a witness to this because so many people, me and them, we are shouting Biafra or nothing since last year. As soon as Peter B appear in the in the scene, they start being stopped and saying, Oh, let's give Peter B a chance, let's do this, let's do that. Because Britain notes that if there's no Igbo man on this ballot, you have tell Igbo people they are not part of Nigeria. Who win? the color. If there's no Igbo man on this ballot, no Igbo man will be talking about 2023 election. So Britain have to do whatever they need to do to bring an Igbo man, a weakening from Igbo extraction to calm Igbo people down from the agitation. That's why you see people you now trying to tell you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. He had no even, he had no even paper to show his vision for Nigeria in the next four years. That's why he has to go to Egypt to learn how to generate power. Even me that I don't have that knowledge of power, if I become president of Nigeria, I can tell you what to do to power within four days and we start having light. So you are going to Egypt. How many years you have power ambition of becoming president to learn how to fix power? That's to tell you, the man is not ready to fix Nigeria. He's just playing a script. And by the time Nigeria understands this, that P2B was just bring out to quench the winning of Mazen and the Kalu to justify whatever Nandi Kalu have been saying for the past 10 years and justify the role that Nigeria has played in putting Biafra's down. That's why P2B come on board, because they have to divide us as Igbo people, they have to divide us as the Biafrans. They want to make us to see each other. Oh, you want progress, you don't want progress. Let's allow you. And I ask this question. All the people that saying, give Obi a chance. If he fail, we now talk about Biafra. Why not, if you want justice and fairness, why not say, okay, let's give Biafrans a chance by conducting their referendum. So if they fail on referendum, then we can try you. They will not answer that question. Obi 
is he from Igbo? People were asking me, why can't you support Obi? He will give me Biafra. Obi will be the worst thing that will ever happen to an Igbo man. But they are not seeing it. Because if you know what Nigeria portends for everybody, tell me, when Jonathan was the president of Nigeria, there was attack in Abuja. And you think these people who are doing those attacks are sleeping when Obi will become the president? The people who release people from the uh, Kujet president, you think they're going to go to sleep when Obi become the president? People that are attacking presidential convoy, both in Kastana and in Abuja, that are key 13 presidential guy, you think they're going to sleep when Obi becomes the president? Britain knows in 2023 that if there's no Igbo man in the ballot, Igbos have been made up their mind to leave this union and they will do it whatever they have to do. Go and check our elders, the politicians, before the primaries of PDP and APC, go and check their statements. You think Britain was not looking at it? Why Katrina Lang was coming, going from one governor to the other? Juan Quazo went to meet Katrina Lang. Instead of discussing about how they can know how Britain was giving themselves electricity, the only thing he discussed with Katrina Lang is the unity of Nigeria. What is that told you? They are not interested in your, in your development. What they're interested in the unity of Nigeria so that they can be getting money to fix their own country. So when I see people who are learned, people who are, have read the history, I see where they are, our problem lies. And like Anthony said in the beginning, if you want to fix the oppression that Igbo man have, you cannot even call for a national dialogue. Let's talk before we go to election. And you want to go to election. And after you go to election, we start shouting, oh, they ring us out, oh, they this and that. Why not call for national dialogue so that we can talk and, and say how we can conduct elections so that there will be peace in the land. Nobody's talking okay. about that. Thank so you. Pito, let me round up with one 30 seconds. Pito B is the game changer for Britain, not for Nigerians. I want Nigerians, all this will be, Obedient slaves should understand that Peter is not coming for them. He's coming to protect the interests of Britain. Thank you very much. Thank you, Oscar, for your perspective. As you've heard, Phoenix, Oscar has told you that as an obedient he not, slave. He has, not made any, he has not made any sense, which I'm not surprised about. I mean, a lot of the things that he has said simply make zero sense to me. I mean, how can somebody say that GDP growth, I mean, because, I mean, there, there are some poor people that GDP growth is not true. It's the same stupid things that we hear from APC, so I'm not surprised. He used to, he supported Buhari and he's, a, he's an APC member, so I'm not, before he discovered that Biafra was important, so I'm not surprised that he'd be parroting the same same types of things. Is he saying that there's no poor person in, in, the, in the United States? There are people in, in the US who, who are homeless and live on the streets. Does that remove the fact that that is the largest economy in the world? I mean, there's some Phoenix. ridiculous, there's some ridiculous, there's some ridiculous, there's some ridiculous things that I Phoenix. just, yeah, I mean. Phoenix, uh, it, it might be okay, you, you spoke for like 15 minutes. Nobody interrupted you. No, 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 you can't please. tell me. You, you spoke and you were not interrupted. They're corrupt, they're corrupt, yeah. You've been talking all sorts of, I mean, it's incredible. Somebody comes here. Somebody I'm not comes speaking here and says, says That's somebody why you get angry. Stupid. You don't need I don't to get care angry. whether you speak in favor of him or not, but you don't come here and this is Nigeria uh, politics. You don't come here and talk rubbish without any proof. You have been calling him a stooge of Britain. There's no single evidence that you have given us. I can tell you, that I have evidence. 
I show provide you. the evidence. Tell us the evidence. The evidence come is simple. Let me tell you. I don't need to provide like. anything. I don't need to provide anything. If then you, you don't are, come here and say whatever you like. Because, make, because, make, because make a mockery of what we're trying oh, to build. Because you're a black man. Because you make a mockery of what you were trying to build here. You just come here and black man. Because you're a black man. Because you're a black man. Order, please. I think. Thank you, Oscar. I think our, our time is up, so we'll, we'll allow the listeners reach their own conclusions. But I must thank Anthony. Thank you, Oscar, for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here. Thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting this podcast with me. And last but not least, thank you to our listeners for always providing helpful and useful feedback. But until the same time next week, I say have a fantastic seven days to everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week ahead. Thank you.